Hi, I'm Charles Beltman. And I don't know why we have the giggles already, but I'm Ela Edgar, and we're here for Trust on Purpose. You'd think this was funny. I mean, like, what's funny about this stuff anyway? <laughs> Good grief. We got to be serious here. Trust is an important issue. Trust is important. It is. But gosh, we have a lot of good laughs along the way. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, if we couldn't laugh at ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, I think if I couldn't laugh every day, if there's not something for me to laugh at every day, I just feel like there's something missing. Yeah. And even when we're talking about something as serious as trust, I think Part of trusting someone, for me, is knowing that they can laugh at themselves. And for them, knowing that I can laugh at myself, which is certainly easy to do because I give myself lots of opportunities to do so. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. One of my favorite all-time quotes, and I don't even know who said, there's some disagreement about who originally said this, but the quote is about around enlightenment and it's enlightenment is the re-emergence of cosmic humor. Oh, I like that. And so we can do our own version of cosmic humor right here. Okay, so building on, let's just continue on that vein for a moment. So our lovely friend, Lori Hillis, once told me about this concept of the cosmic waitress and how it aligned with my value of generosity. And so being generous out in the world often brings me things that I didn't expect. So a few years ago, I went to an art class with my niece and my son, and we built little plasticine figurines. So my son built a little statue of himself. My niece built a little princess, and I built a cosmic waitress so she could sit on my desk. Sadly, a few weeks ago, I knocked her head off. <laughs> oh... So I have to glue her head back on, but she's sitting headless on my desk every day. And I really apologize for that. But I'm like, did I mess up my cosmic waitressness? Or I don't know what to do. I don't know how to trust myself to make that decision. To glue or not to glue, that is the question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. And there we start. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So we do have a somewhat serious topic today. We do. So let's dive into that. Why don't you go ahead and set it up? Because it's something that somebody brought to us to explore and see what we might offer in terms of helping them create or manage a trust issue. Awesome. Thank you. And we're delighted when we receive situations from our listeners to unpack because I think it's so helpful for many people. Like, I can relate to that. Yeah, I've experienced that. This particular situation is a smaller organization that it's actually a school setting. And there is one of the leaders in the administration has been there for a few years. And there's been a few tricky situations where this person has committed to something and then not delivered. And it started with relatively small things, which it's really easy to dismiss as it's, you know, it's an oversight. It's no big deal. You know, we're all busy. I'm sure this person will get to it. But recently, something much bigger happened, and it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, which is, I, I think, why this particular listener reached out. And so there was a pretty large event that happened in this particular school, and this person had one role 
one responsibility, and that was to set up the presentation so that the kids, the children who had been practicing, practicing, practicing for this event could share their presentations to the entire school. So this person was reminded a number of times, about 10 minutes before this big presentation was happening, running around looking for them, and they're doing something else and have completely, basically, not been able to, did not take care of, did not set up. And so these kids that have been practicing for weeks and weeks and weeks to publicly present in front of their whole school, no one heard their presentations because the setup, the audiovisual wasn't set up properly. It wasn't there. And so this listener was like really frustrated that there seems to be, and we talked about this a little bit before, a consistently unreliable leader. And not only was this listener really disappointed with this situation, but it also impacted all the kids. And that was, I think, really what bothered her. I think we can extrapolate and see how this can happen over and over in organizations all over the place, where there is someone a level or two above me in a leadership role that constantly shows behaviors of unreliability. So I'm going to stop there. What are you thinking? Yeah. So for this person, their challenge in this is that the individual who is not showing up as reliable, who's not keeping the commitments that they make, is actually this person's boss. And so the question, of course, is, or one question is, how does our listener... Deal with this situation. Deal with this, yeah. Yeah. Given that it's a person's boss who's behaving in this way, that's not actually keeping the commitments that are made. You know, we talked a little bit before we started recording about one option, maybe to just never make a request of this person, never make a request of the boss to do anything. Because clearly, nine times out of 10, maybe 10 times out of 10, they don't actually perform. They don't actually keep the commitment. They make a commitment, but they don't actually keep it. It would be as if I requested you to do things and you continually fail to do them. So after a while, you kind of disappear as someone who can do something for me, that disappear as a performer for my requests. And on the other side of it too, if you were to make offers to me, I could choose to not even engage with those offers. I'd go somewhere else. So this is so fascinating. I think given the size of this particular organization, it would probably be difficult to not make any requests, not make any offers. But as you were saying this, do you know what popped into my head? Was that I listened as this listener was sharing the situation, is that they're looking for workarounds. So it's not that I'm accepting or declining. I'm looking for ways to completely avoid you because I can't rely on you anyway. And now I'm doing things that are really not my responsibility or accountability, but I need the stuff to get done. Yeah. So it becomes the burden now on our listener, in this case, or anyone who's in that role, to take it on for themselves rather than changing the situation. In other words, rather than having some kind of an accountability conversation with 
the performer who is failing to perform. And of course, that's if the person who's failing to perform is a peer, it's a little easier to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. If the person who's failing to perform is someone who reports to you, it's easier to have that conversation. But when that person is your boss, it becomes much more difficult. Well, yeah, much more difficult. And depending on how they receive the request to have a conversation, how solid or committed the relationship actually is, this is potentially a career-limiting move for our listener. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. I want to bring to your attention, leader, that you're not being accountable. Of course, there's other ways to say this, but the premise is like, I can't rely on you. You're not accountable. Yeah. Like, you got to pull your stuff together. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard conversation to have with boss. <laughs> yeah. So let's look, though, a little bit more about at the workaround thing, because people do do this. And very intentionally, for that very reason, I do not believe that I can safely have this conversation with my boss. So I'm going to look for a workaround somehow. So are there other workarounds besides just never asking the boss to do anything of any consequence and never taking the boss up on their offers? Are there other workarounds? Well, I think starting to take on some of the accountability responsibility or even the fact that they had reminded this person over and over and over and over. That takes time, energy, and effort away from this person's role and what they're accountable for. So taking on, well, I got to remind people. I think, wasn't there one of our conversations you talked about a client that their whole job was basically running around following up after people? Well, that was a CEO that I worked with and coached many years ago who pretty much spent his time following up and asking, how's it going? How's it going today? Yeah. It's like, are you going to get that done? Right. <laughs> yeah. And it bothered him and it annoyed the heck out of his people. But they yeah. kind of fallen into a rhythm with each other around that. But this sounds like this person, they were doing that already. And this person still didn't get the hint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are there better ways perhaps to try and remind them? That's, I mean, that's one possible workaround. Yeah, that's one possible workaround. I mean, I think the other thing that pops in my head is, well, that's fine. I'm just going to lower my expectations. Right. Which is, again, the same idea as saying, I'm just not going to make requests of this person. Or if I do, I want to have backup. I want it in writing. I want a witness. Somebody knows what's going on. That's not just me. Right. The other thing, though, that you said in our little conversation before we started recording was, the question comes up, well, this is my boss, but my boss has a boss. Do I take this to my boss's boss? And of course, I've also seen people take it to other people who report to this person. Have you had the same thing happen or is it just me? Oh, okay. We all are having this. Maybe together we can have a conversation with our boss about this rather than it just falling on me. That might be a different approach that is less potentially career-limiting mm -hmm. just to me, the boss is probably going to, if they hear it from a number of people, at least they're not going to probably fire all of us on the one hand. And maybe they'll actually begin to recognize that it's something they need to deal with. So there's the, let's have safety in numbers. Let's create safety in numbers here and value in numbers. And the other one is, if there's a relationship there anyway, let's go to the boss's boss maybe. How does that work? 
Well, that's also dangerous, of course. That can be a career limiting move. And I've actually coached people for whom they had done that somewhere along the line. And now they were like, I don't get any assignments for doing anything anymore. <laughs> They're slowly being moved out. I think where we want to go is the conversation around accountability directly with the individual. Yeah. And how does one approach that? How does our listener approach that? Or how might they think about approaching that with their boss? And I do believe that safety in numbers kind of idea is really valuable. If there are other people who have had similar experiences and would be willing to join in the conversation, that can be powerful. But let's set that aside because it may not be an option. Yeah. And I think that mm, I'm trying to put myself in that leader's shoes. I wonder how I would feel if people that reported to me were having these conversations about my reliability or a lack of reliability. Now they've all come together. I feel like it's almost an intervention. Like immediately I was like, I feel like I need to protect myself. Sure. And so does that allow for an open a conversation that helps resolve put trust back in place, like how do we navigate this together? Or does that result then in a conversation where it's he said, she said, or I'm going to defend myself. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. And their direct reports are like, we understand that. And here's the impact to us. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. Okay. So it could backfire, definitely. And I think there is some value in having something like lack of reliability being presented with that by more than one person. So it's not just, in this case, our listener being the only one who has to go and say it. Yeah, because it's a tough one. Mm -hmm. So in either case, though, let's just take a few moments. We've done this in other calls in other ways. Now we have a very specific situation. What does our listener here need to do, think about, consider? in preparation before they even go have this conversation? What do they need to do and think about to prepare? Mm -hmm. Well, I think first of all is, do I want to? Yeah. Do I want to have this conversation? Like, do I really want to? I've thought about it, but am I actually prepared to do it? Yeah. Because if they're not, and they realize that mid-conversation. <laughs> Eek! <laughs> Exit. Steve's left. <laughs> Pretend this didn't happen. Forget what I said. Forget that I was even here. <laughs> but yes, so am I committed to the conversation? Mm -hmm. And am I committed to following it through? And am I committed to dealing with the consequence, which may not be pleasant? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's another question to ask myself is, how am I going to be with this happening over and over and over again? If this doesn't change... How's this going to impact my sense of well-being, my level of stress, all of those things that are important to me in doing my job? Yeah. What's the cost of not having the conversation is really the question. That's a good one. Yeah. To consider. And what's the potential cost of having the conversation? What's the potential cost of not having it? What about... What's the outcome that I actually want? Yeah. Like this conversation is going to result in, like, what do I want out of this conversation? Yeah. 
Another way to think about that is what's the request that I want to make of the other person? And it may be multiple requests, Mm -hmm. but what is it that I want to do? And I think I want to pause there for a second because I think what we're walking through right now really requires some self-reflection, some note-taking, some journaling, some preparation before I even decide if I'm going to have the conversation. Yeah. We're suggesting that you really think about it carefully. Another one really is identifying, and that's the nice thing about the assessments of trust and the different domains. Is it about care? Do I believe that this person doesn't care? Is it about sincerity? Do I believe that they're fundamentally, they're not being honest or they're not acting with integrity here? Is it about reliability, that they're not actually following through on their commitments, the specific ones they make? Is it about competence? It might be a little bit about some of those others, but mostly in this case, it sounds like for our listener, it is about reliability. Their boss is making commitments that they don't keep, which is a reliability issue. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm going to add to that based on the listening in our conversation. I would say there's also a question about this person's sincerity. Could be. Yeah. It could be. Remembering that the breakdown doesn't necessarily stay in one of the domains, that it can be in two, three, or potentially all four domains. So I think identifying what is the actual breakdown. Yeah. And then it may be important to define or identify if there's a mismatch in standards. My standard is that when you make a commitment to me, I expect that you're going to follow through. And if you're not, you'll tell me ahead of time. And I certainly shouldn't be needing to follow you around and check and ask and make sure. I should be able to rely on you doing it. Or if you can't, giving me as much advance notice as possible. What is my standard around that? And understanding that other people may have different standards. The next thing, though, is once I've determined the domain of trust, then going down to the level of behavior. What are the specific actions? In this case, it's pretty clear. But can you name them? Mm -hmm. So here again to our listener, the story that you just told that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That's one example. And that's a very powerful example because there was harm that came from that, not just for our listener, but for other people in the organization and the kids in the school. Yeah. There was some real harm done there that can be sort of introduced. This is what happened as a result of you not following through on this commitment that you made. So being able to really nail down the specific behaviors, and it is more powerful if our listener can say, this is not the only time this happened. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I can point to three, four, five other times recently when you've made a commitment to do something, or at least I thought you had made a commitment to do something, and it didn't happen. Yeah. So there's a really important part of that sentence that I just want to point to because it can be really easy to say, you're always unreliable. You never follow through. Whereas we want to remove that and be really specific. So here are the examples three times in the last week that we've had, I thought we had a commitment and you didn't deliver. Because I think when we make it always or you're never, it automatically, again, puts people into defensive. And it's not fair. It's not fair to say that. Yeah. And it doesn't really 
add anything. No. <laughs> it subtracts from the thing. Yeah. yeah, but I think we do it because we're riled up about the situation. Called generalization. Yes, thank you. We generalize to all or never. Yeah. Then there's this other really important thing to think about. Here again for our listener to think about. Asking yourself, what's my contribution to mm. this situation? Maybe my contribution is that I, in part, have waited way too long to say something about it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe my contribution is that I am making an assumption that you've made a commitment, whereas in your mind, maybe you haven't made a commitment. Yeah. And so what's happening there? Because that can actually lead to some useful conversation about, oh, okay, <laughs> you didn't think you were making a commitment. Okay, so let's work on how we know that it's either a commitment or not. Or not, yeah. From my perspective, that would be really helpful to know that you're holding it as a commitment or you're not. So what is my role in this? And really think that through. Did I make a clear request in the first place? Mm -hmm. So that when you said yes, you knew what you were saying yes to. What if, and I'm thinking this out loud, what if our listener wasn't actually the one that made the request? And so the request is made by the organization somewhere. And so again, it becomes very subjective. Like, did I accept this request? No, I didn't think that I did. And who was the requester and who am I accountable to? So, you know, as we talk about the cycle of the commitment, this can get very convoluted and actually not set people up for success because it's too muddy. Yeah, it can get very muddy. Now, our listener did apparently say, if I heard you right, that the performer, in this case, the boss, had been reminded multiple times. So that does seem to lend credibility to the idea that they had committed to doing something. But my, <laughs> my next question is, well, why is it you're reminding this person all the time? What is it about how they behave? Well, hmm. So we've had past experience here. Yeah. This is not our first rodeo here yeah. <laughs> in this kind of thing. So again, there's this is the behavior that's being repeated and that we want to try and change. But in any case, what's my role in this? Mm -hmm. Is there something different that I need to look at or different that I need to think about doing? And then, as you said a little while ago, what do you really want the outcome of the conversation to be? That's really important. So that you're ready to say that mm -hmm. in clear terms. Yeah. In the future, when... You make a commitment, and we'll do all the due diligence around that. What is that commitment? Make sure you understand what I'm asking you or somebody else is asking you. We're clear on what the commitment is and what it isn't. Then you can go into the conversation, too, from there around, how can I support you mm -hmm. in keeping the commitments that you make more consistently or completely consistently? And also, and this is a tricky one, given the dynamics in this relationship, but I think also important to have in this conversation is, how do we navigate this if there's another missed commitment? Yes. The listener can't necessarily be a consequence provider, but what happens? Like, what do we do if this behavior continues, even though we've made this Commitment and promise. Seeming agreement. Yeah. Yeah. To do something differently. And again, going back to having the conversation, what's going to make it as safe as possible 
one of the things that's going to make it as safe as possible is having the specific instances that we can talk about, the specific behaviors, the specific actions, and checking in. Once our listener gets into the conversation, assuming they do, once they get into the conversation about it, making sure there's agreement. Oh, do you remember when you did? Here's what I saw happen. So we're going to talk about that too, because that's as important as the preparation is <laughs> once you get there, how is this going to go? Still, before you have the conversation, you need to have a, what we sometimes call a conversation for a conversation. In other words, asking, hey, there's something I'd like to talk with you about. It's kind of important. Would you be willing to set some time aside for us to talk? It's important enough that I would like us to actually have some uninterrupted time so that it's not just, hey, oh, by the way. Slam. <laughs> jump right into the. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a crucial conversation. It's important enough that you want to have the other person's full attention. Letting them know, I'd like to have your full attention. I will bring my full attention. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that I've found in situations like this that can be helpful is I want to have this conversation with you because I care about our relationship. Yeah. And that's actually how I often suggest that you start, start the conversation itself once you get there. It, you may plant the seeds for that in the request to have the conversation. Yeah. But I think actually when you're in the space and time with the other person to make it clear that's why we're here, or at least that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. It's really important to me that we work well together or that whatever it is, mm -hmm. and that kind of goes back to what's the outcome of the conversation? Why do you want to have it in the first place? Well, so we can work better together. That's right. And so this organization can work better. Yeah. So starting there, and that's a kind of way of making it safe. This is not about me pointing the fingers of blame at you. It's about how can we work as well as possible together? And I want to express my needs, and I also want to hear from you. That's the starting point. And then, so here's the thing that I want to actually bring up and talk about. And then you say, here's the behaviors. Don't even start with, I'm questioning your reliability. Mm -mm. Certainly don't need to bring in the word trust, mm -mm. but simply, do you remember the other day when this happened? And then, what's your perspective here? I have my perspective on it. I have my thoughts about what happened, but I, I want to hear your perspective. So here's what happened from my perspective, and here's what I think is the cost of that or the pain of that. But I'm going to hear from you too. What happened for you? What was going on for you that you <laughs> missed this, and you missed the other one, and you missed the other one, and you missed the other one, so that the person can say, you know, God. First of all, I didn't realize, I didn't think about that. Yeah. And I'm just really busy. I've got so many things going on. Or I didn't even know you made a request. I didn't get that. <sighs> or whatever right. their experience of the situation is. And what's really important, once you ask that question, I want to hear your side of it, is sit and shut your mouth and listen. Listen, yeah. I totally want to be a fly on the wall. If and when this conversation happens, I probably won't be. Yeah. But the other thing is you were just saying that, like, this is really hit close to home and something that really mattered. What if in this conversation and listening, you know, here's my perspective and here's how that day went for me. I'd really like to hear your perspective. 
What if someone else had actually made a drive-by request that wasn't very clear, and although this person had been reminded over and over again, thought it was a general reminder, that it wasn't actually directed to them, right? Because there's all sorts of things that could happen. And I'm, again, no, I know a little bit about the organization, but how amazing to come into a conversation to say, help me understand your perspectives. What happened for you that day? What did you see that happened? I'd really love to hear from your side of the story. Before there's anything about you didn't, you shouldn't, you. Mm -hmm. But just being able to create that safe space to say, I just want to talk about how that day unfolded. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to name the issue first. Yes. Mm. I think it really is. In my experience, it's important to name the issue. Here's what we're talking about. From my perspective, this is what mm -hmm. happened. And this was sort of the outcome for me, what happened to me as a result of what you did or didn't do. But this is just my perspective. I mm -hmm. really want to hear your perspective too. Because if we don't name you, we'll think about that. So, Ela, I want to talk about something that happened the other day. What's your take on it? Well, you don't even know what it is that yeah, I'm, what happened. Yeah. And I totally hear what you're saying. I'm wondering, and again, I'm just saying this out loud. It's not my situation. We're talking about something else. But I wonder if, you know, we had a big event the other day. What do you think went really well? What do you think we could do better next time? Like, I'm really wanting to dive in as a learning opportunity. And I'm not saying that this is the right approach. I'm just thinking this out loud. Yeah, sure. So, sure. you know, we had this big event. We had a breakdown. What do you see from your perspective about how that particular event unfolded? And then the next, like, so here's the things that I saw we did well. Here's where I'm wondering about how we do this better because from my perspective, there was a missed commitment. We were relying on you to do this or however I'm saying that. Yeah. Well, that's certainly in one sense, that's a different conversation in a way. It's not an accountability conference. I mean, what it's kind of like, okay, let's have this conversation about after action review kind of conversation. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. I'm inviting you to have an after action review conversation with me. And oh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> so thank you for talking this through with me because I wonder if I'm trying to soft pedal rather than be clear and direct because I think that might be received easier. And there may be times when that is the right approach. My tendency is different than other people. My sensitivity to conflict is different from other people's. And so I guess my sense is that if I want to have a conversation, an accountability conversation with someone yeah. who has damaged my trust in them by their behavior, I want to be clear that that's the conversation that we're in. This is not an after action review or however you want to call those things. Those are very valuable conversations, yeah. but that's not the conversation we're having here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. That's helpful. And I think because we've talked about conflict before, we know that I don't have like, I don't love it. So maybe this is my own thinking and my own way of being that makes me want to soft pedal things rather than being more clear and kind. 
Yeah. And that doesn't mean that that is never the right approach. It's, boy, it's a tough conversation to have with your boss. So, well, still, I keep falling on the side of, no, I want to have the conversation yeah. that's needed yeah. and not pretend that we're talking about something, something else, else when we're really talking about, I'm having a difficult time with your reliability. It's making my work, our work, the whole organization, it's making it difficult for all of us, especially because it's happened multiple times now. Yeah. And then, of course, what we haven't touched on yet is being able to get across to the other person. This is what I'd like to see different. And maybe it is that somebody else made a request, that it wasn't very clear, the person didn't really take it seriously, and these reminders, whatever they were, were not real clear either. So the whole thing was you know, hard to follow through on yeah. from his perspective. Yeah. That's important to hear. That's important to know. It could be that nobody makes clear requests in this organization. <laughs> you and I both have seen organizations where that's a big issue. <laughs> that's a big issue. That's a big issue. And I think that there's some people, and we've seen this in lots of organizations, where people are just wired to get stuff done. So even if it wasn't a clear and complete request, I heard it as a request, so I'm going to go action it. Maybe this particular person isn't that. Yeah, they're not necessarily wired to. So that's a standard, getting back to what's right. the standard. The standard is every request, if there's a commitment, you follow through, you do it. Or if you can't do it for some reason, you come back to me and tell me you're not going to be able to follow through. Yeah. This is why, and let's renegotiate yeah. something going forward that will work. Yeah. Or is that a request? Are you asking me to do this? Yeah. Can you give me your conditions of satisfaction? And yes, I accept. I will commit to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can wrap this up mm -hmm. by saying to our listener, the person who brought this to us, as well as those others of you who are listening, that if it's at all possible for you to have a conversation directly with the person that you need to have the conversation with, who is the person who can change. That's the person who can do something different. It's best to do that. And there are some things that will make it more likely to be a successful conversation. And we've kind of gone through these. And I think those are the important parts here, important things that we want to get across. <laughs> so I, I think I said it in my book, most people would rather have a root canal than go tell someone else that they're behaving in an untrustworthy way. It's very uncomfortable and it can be very successful. It can be very valuable to have that conversation such that the organization, the team, the person themselves works more effectively. They become a better leader. They become a better team player. They become a better worker. We hope this has been valuable for our listener. We hope it's been valuable for this particular listener that brought this to us. And we hope it's been valuable to others who have listened to this conversation. As we say at the end of every podcast, we invite you as our listeners to send us questions, situations you have that you would like us to talk about and work through a little bit from our perspective. We also would invite any comments that you have or questions mm -hmm. about what we've said on prior episodes. You can reach me at charles at insightcoaching.com. And you can find me at ila, I-L-A, at bigchangeinc.com. And we look forward to the next time that we talk. The next time that we talk. That sounds good. Thanks so much, Charles. Thank you, Ela. <laughs>